Welcome to I Want What She Has, your weekly antidote to the patriarchy, amplifying women's voices and their stories. I am your host, Teresa Widman. And on today's show, I'm very excited to welcome a most beautiful human being and a dear friend of mine, Miss Kia Abele. And a little bit about Kia. She is an Akashic Records teacher and certified healing touch practitioner, energy and intuitive communicator, and a one spirit minister. For many years, she's worked as a practitioner in the wellness center at Omega across the river. But for the past year or so, she has been working on a book, a book that tells stories of her work and about the gift of listening. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about the process of writing her first book, possibly first of many, and a little bit about her work in general, how she got into it. And uh, I'll just say, in full disclosure, my tenderness for Kia goes back several years. I mm. met her when at some point when she had kind of come come to this area on a more permanent basis and she came to Anahata, the studio in Uptown Kingston that I had I think primarily for gong baths and then she taught an Akashic Records training course. Well, a couple times in that space, but I took the course with her. And she's just, as you'll hear, she's just such a bright, lovely human. And um, she actually was the person who married me to my husband. And my husband does happen to be helping, working with Kia in writing this book. Um and maybe we can talk about that story later about how that came to be. Um, but I just wanted folks to know how I know Kia because there might be a familiarity in our conversation today because I feel like she's my sister or something. So welcome, Kia. Hello, Teresa. It's, um, you bring a little tears to my eyes Aww. when you did that introduction. <laughs> and... Um, well, see, Ashley, my window, well, many of my windows look right into the Anahata uh, studio. Mm -hmm. And some of the fond memories for me is those gong baths. But um, I got the energy of the gongs even when Teresa wasn't uh, having a, a session for people because the gongs were right in the window. <laughs> and, you know... They just um, talked to me and gave me energy, even when um, there wasn't that sessions going on. And so um, I must say that it's uh, a longing and I miss when you needed to uh, take them to a different place because yeah. of COVID. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I think I... I remember Teresa even before I met her because she has this like elegant uh, stride and walk and is always so beautiful 
to watch because you never know what she's going to wear. And, <laughs> and it's always delightful. I can look out my window as she passes by. And um, so we met each other, at least in this lifetime, um, prior to actually us talking. <laughs> yes. It's it's funny. Um you know, my uh, my outfits used to be kind of a, a funny conversation um, when I was remodeling that space because I would always wear like a dress or something a little bit more than what you would if you were ripping down walls. But I just kind of felt like that's what makes me feel good. And so that's what I'm going to wear. Um, yeah. But that's sweet. This is the Mutual Adoration Society of Kia and Teresa. So thank you for joining in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, if you see a cat jo join us, that's Penny. Okay. She is right here by me wanting to attend. Yes. So whenever she hears Ben's voice, um, she always comes up mm -hmm. and wants to talk. So now she wants to come up because Teresa's on Zoom. I don't think Teresa and I've ever done a Zoom together. No, I don't think we have. I've I've poked in when Ben is on with you. Ben's my husband, for those of you who don't know. So mm -hmm. I always kind of, I hear Kia's voice in the background and I go run up into his office and I poke my head into the corner and mm -hmm. get a little burst of Kia for the day. Um, <laughs> so maybe it would be f interesting for folks listening or maybe it's interesting to me and so I'll just say that uh, how you came to the conclusion that it was your time to write a book well you know it's been something that uh, I've had messages for many years to write a book and um, I did do two children's coloring books um, that went along with, I had Chakra Bear and the Rainbow Cloud and Tai Chi Tiger and the Nature Dance. So my initial wanting to write was children's books. And uh, that's been sort of put aside because they're called The Ark of Empowering Animals. And um, so they're still on the back burner wanting to be written. But um, like I said, for many years, I kept getting like to write books and I would try, I started out saving stories from doing sessions. And initially I thought my book was gonna be called Spirit Talks. And um, so that's gotta be, you know, over 30 years ago because I keep wow. forgetting that I'm 71 so I have to keep changing that number of when I thought I was going to write <laughs> but um, I had an, a, a session with my mentor my spiritual mentor and also an astrologer and he told me early last year it's like you know like when are you going to write your book you know, and, you know, being really busy and as we always get, um, and he just kept pressing it. And, and I go, okay, I'm going to do it, you know. So I decided on June 11th, uh, 
2020. June 11th is King Kamehameha Day. I'm, I'm from Hawaii. And it was always a special celebration in Hawaii. So I like dates and synchronistic dates and numbers. And so I decided June 11th of 2020, I would start. And so that's how that happened. So I think, you know, my spiritual advisor and astrologer who kept saying, like, when are you gonna write this book, you know? And so I think that was like the extra push for me last year. And um, it's been quite a journey. Um, and how Ben and I started working together is, you know, last year, everything is like COVID stuff. There's always some relation with COVID and it's not always uh, negative. And this particular time, um, I'm an Akashic Records teachers through Linda Howe, and our contract is that we can only teach in person. In fact, my last in-person class was in March at Anahata. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, and right after that, I mean, like, I think it might have been like the next day, everything, you know, shut down. So our teacher gave us information. Linda said, okay, for this time period, you can teach online because before that it was only she could teach online. And so um, I had familiarity with Zoom having gone through interspiritual counseling program two years. So I had that, but I didn't know how to like connect things and have people sign up and all that. So I remember calling Teresa, I go, Teresa, do you know anybody that can help me get the Zoom, my Zoom classes going and interface uh, with my website and Zoom? And she says, well, she says, I think Ben might do that. <laughs> I just and offer Ben to, to, <laughs> to other people. <laughs> I know. You're probably sometimes happy about that. And other times like, no, no, that crazy lady across the street. <laughs> so, you know, I do the basic tech stuff. I mean, basic. And if you ask Ben, he might even say below basic. But, you know, and, you know he's younger. He, he has that experience. Um, and so it was quite a challenge. Uh, to interface these two different generations together uh, to commune together to write this book. And uh, there's no words. I'm going to cry now. There's no words that can express uh, how this coming together uh has manifested an, an incredible learning and growth for, I, I, I can say both of us. Mm -hmm. And um, because he had to put his super patience, tallest hat he could find <laughs> to work with me. Um, I'm, not, I'm probably not the normal person that he has assisted. Um, but we've been able to maneuver it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and he's in, he's enjoyed it very much. So I think he's grown a lot. And, you know, because it's like the subject matter of this book, it's called The Gift of Listening, Cultivating Your Connection with Spirit. And a large part of the text of the book is describing you in your own words, describing both the sessions that you've done with folks um, and, and really like kind of like the bigger, more, I don't want, I guess more potent is maybe not the right phrase, but like the really um, valuable information, kind of like the teachings that come out of the different types of work that you've done, like the different types of sessions that you've had with people that also kind of correspond to some of the own your own lessons that you've learned in life mm-hmm. through the various journeys that you've, you know, had. Um, and I guess I feel like it maybe it's important for us to talk about, you know, it's called the subtitles, Cultivating Your Connection with Spirit. And and I'd like for you to describe what spirit means for you. Yes. So, um, spirit to me means that inner connection. And everybody has different understanding of what this inner connection is. You know, some people will say, oh, it's my gut. Some people say it's my heart talking. Other people will say uh, God or Jesus, um, intuition. You know, so that title, I don't want that to be, uh, I'm sure some people that that title won't resonate with them. uh, But I felt that that was a neutral enough um, word for people, you know. And um, so the people that, I mean, I remember doing a session one time and I'd been working with this one lady uh, for a while and then she called me and I was on the way to Mount Shasta and it was on Christmas Eve. And I said, you know, I'm on the way. I'm not going to get there too late. I know you seem really urgent in your needing a session. And I says, you know, Christmas morning, I could do that session for you. And, you know, it was really hurried. I was driving and I just says, in the moment, uh, just make your connection with God to comfort you until we can talk tomorrow. And as soon as I said the word God, I knew, whoop, off. She never contacted me again Mm -hmm. because the word God came out right away. Because I'm sensitive to people in our conversations. Uh, because, like I say, God, I can't always stay. But as soon as I got out of my mouth, I knew she was not going to call me, and she didn't. I can't. Oh. And so I'm not sure what happened. Um, well, and if there's a way of, um, I guess, even without putting a label on it or a word on it what it maybe and maybe it's just for you to describe and you don't have to you know attempt to describe it on a on a global basis but 
what is sort of the 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 point of it like the the you know why is this idea of of spirit or god or whatever it is how, why is that an important thing in your life well it's like inner source inner connection inner guide uh inner wisdom um we have so many distractions and um in this world that we get out of our body and then we get in this kind of topsy-turvy uh what the news says what someone else says all all these other things that make us like caught in this big wave and just spinning around so for me it's about going inside and believe me i have to keep practicing it myself because sometimes I'll go way out there it's like no come back come back come back but it's, it's about finding this inner peace inside and this comfort and guidance regardless of what is going on on the outside and okay so okay I'm going to say it anyway this is what's coming up I just believe that that anchor of what is inside of us is what's going to give us peace right now in this moment in time uh at least our generation to have all this chaos going on and just coming back inside to feel peace you know you know another good title right now i never thought of it before but you know cultivating your your cultivating your connection with inner peace Oh, I like that title. Can we change it then? <laughs> I got to write that down. <laughs> yeah. I hear him screaming. Uh. I think, yeah, I like that. I think it's helpful because to me, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what we call things necessarily. And, and words can get people, throw people off, right? That can be activating and positive or negative ways for people so if we just look at what the essence of the thing is then sometimes it's like we can we can find commonality in just understanding and relating to that essence so I I really love that imagery of that inner peace (laughs) oh well you know the book is going to be published October 20th so we really still have time to change that title <laughs> ben is texting you right now just kidding please let me check <laughs> so i'm tempted to ask questions about the difference between intuition and spirit but I'm kind of just putting that out there. I feel like I asked that question in the Akashic Records class, like how to know the difference between your own kind of intuition and what the records are are sharing with you. Um, but I want to actually just kind of start before that, just to get a better idea of how this entered your life, this kind of idea of spirit and or you can you can help to clarify and connect it to intuition in this but what is your earliest memory of this kind of awareness 
of spirit? So, um, well, now as I, over the years, I would answer that in different ways. And, but now, um, through all these years, and also re-bringing it up again in the book, is my, I believe that my intuition already was in the womb, maybe even prior to going to the womb. And um, because I'm, um, I'm with the color rainbow child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny, I've always been so attracted to rainbows. And my website is actually Rainbow Heart. Um, my mother and father lost a child before me, which I really didn't know until my late teens, as many things were kept secret. But then there was always some other family member that would know. So I came in after the miscarriage. I had an older brother, and there was a miscarriage. And I only found this out since I've been in Kingston. You know, I've been back full-time for almost five years now. That the next child that comes in after someone lost a child, they come in to, uh, to a family to help soothe the grief of a child that was uh, lost beforehand. So I think that I came in and maybe I think we all come in in different degrees uh, with intuition and that uh, spirit guidance from the other side or across the veil, however you want to say it. So I think that, and then as I started writing, uh, my father died when I was three weeks old and it came up in the writing too Uh, and some work that I had done previously that I knew that my father was dying, but I was a three week old in a crib and I could almost hear myself trying to yell out to my father, like, don't leave, don't leave, we're here. I'm here, don't leave. So I I believe that that's where it started. Mm. You know, if you had asked me maybe in my early 30s, I, I believe that I was following intuition pretty much all my life, but I didn't recognize that to be it. You know, just getting these insights or these thoughts, I didn't know that it was any different. It was just the way I was. And because I could feel things ahead of time, I could walk in a room and, and know that, like the conversation that had gotten on, so all those kind of things. And a lot of you are going to be able to relate to that. And then you might go, oh, uh-huh. I really was working on intuition a long time. Um, and having to do, uh, so there's like different levels of time that I go, oh, aha. Uh-huh. Or like when I was doing healing touch training, I was uh, mashed up with this woman and um, she was great. She was at that time in her 70s. And she, I would be working on a body and all this information would start coming out, you know. 
And she goes, I just want to let you know that um, that's not necessarily the ordinary thing that happened. But I didn't know that it was any different because it just came so naturally for me that I would do the healing touch techniques and whole stories would come out of their body. And she was the one who told me, uh, not everybody sees that, but I didn't know. (laughs) So that was, yes, that was like another level of someone mirroring back to me that what I was doing, not everybody does. That's a question that I actually have for you. In reading, because I, of course, with my access to uh, your editor, had uh, my hands on an advanced copy. uh, And so I've been able to spend some time reading the book. And there was something that you were talking about in... um, in in the the book that you where you say everyone can do this and and I know like for myself personally I certainly feel like you know there's been moments in my life where I'm like I feel like I'm communicating with people telepathically like it just seems so weird that I would be thinking about somebody and then then they reach out to me and I haven't heard from them in years, you know? So it's like, I've had moments where I'm convinced and I think I have my husband convinced to believe me in this also, but you know, there's there are times where I felt very connected to the sort of like a extrasensory type of awareness, but it's not something that I, I, I guess I believe or trustfully in myself and because there's people like you who, seem to have like a certain kind of gift when it comes to that and in your book you kind of talk about how you know people can cultivate it for themselves but you know do you think there's a difference that that it's that some people will just struggle with it or and maybe it doesn't matter maybe that question doesn't matter so much but I guess I I'm just curious for people out there who might be listening going well I just I don't have that ability you know like I'm not one of those people that walked into rooms and sensed things and is it enough to say well if you want that ability you can practice it and cultivate it is that is that something that you believe, Kia? Yeah, so when I I say that everybody has the gift, you know, it's like I believe that we all got the gift. And, you know, it's almost like someone gives you a present and either, you know, you put it under the Christmas tree or buy the Hanukkah candles and you don't open it. Well, if you don't open it, you're not using it. And in my book, I also want people to recognize that, oh, aha, I do that. I I didn't know that I was listening to inner guidance or my inner source. So I want it to be something that goes, oh, yeah, I remember that I was going home one day and I something said, oh, I'm going to turn left. But that wasn't your normal way of going home. So I think that we all have this. We just don't recognize it as listening to this inner source. And just like any uh, skill or sports, we'll say tennis for you, Ben, that, (laughs) you know, like if you like to play tennis or you feel like you have a gift for that, 
of unless you show up on the court and practice it a little bit, that gift gets put aside. But it doesn't mean you don't have that gift. Mm-hmm. And we're all given all different kind of gifts, and some are uh, more interesting for us in this lifetime, or uh, we have the body for to do the sports in this lifetime. And we have so many choices in the world. And so it's about like, okay, what choices give me joy? And then you practice on that. That's why, like I, like I said, I'm hoping that my book will entice people to like recognize, oh yeah, I, I know that. Or yeah, I felt that. Or yeah, or yeah, I always wanted to write my story. And so I want it to be for people to write their stories. And it doesn't mean that you need to go and put it in a book form. Uh, You can journal it, you can voice it, you can just talk to friends about it. But it's about getting these stories out of your body so that um, there can be peace, there can be growth, there can be insight. There can be some emptying for more joy to come through. I want to share this funny, maybe magical story, but I was sitting in, um, I was came into Kingston early because I had an appointment and I was sitting in a cafe having some breakfast and a person I knew walked in and we just started having this very kind of symbiotic conversation about like careers and sort of that that uh, that place that people can find themselves where they feel stuck between like what they should do, what they think they should be doing and what they really want to do, but feeling uncertain about having success in that 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 lane of what they want to be doing. Right. And it can be complicated in terms of, you know, like what society might model for you or what parents might expectations they might have of you all those kinds of things kind of muddy the waters right when it comes to that and you talk about careers being a big thing that people would come to you for of like finding uh, your purpose and and I was telling this friend who I ran into how like just yesterday I had to remind myself that I have choice in this matter and it's like I can actually just sit and say, ask myself, what do I want? And she was leaving the cafe, waved goodbye, and I I went back to reading your book. And I came to, it was literally like when she walked out, I came to this phrase that you have, these statements, when it says, what do I choose to do? What is going to make my heart sing? What is going to make the unfolding of this lifetime glow and be fulfilling? And so I took a picture of it Uh-oh. and I sent it to her. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember writing that. <laughs> and I know sometimes something, <clears throat> something will come up in the book and I go, wow, Ben, that was a nice paragraph that you inserted in the book. I like it. Because I didn't write it, you did. (laughs) You know, yeah, I know. It's like sometimes we get stuck also in what makes money. (laughs) Yes. You know, and and so there is that balance uh, about what makes money. 
And sometimes you have to separate the two. Because some people say, well, I hate my job, but I make really good money, but really I want to do art. And so some of it is about changing your attitude about your work. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the work that I do uh, helps me pay my mortgage and do food. But the thing that gives me joy is writing. So for some people, they need to quit their day job and only write. But other people need the security of having the money coming in so that they are comforted. But it doesn't mean that you can't do the other part that brings you joy. Because then we get stagnant on the part that um, of, of where we feel security. Mm-hmm. And like each person's journey is different. Some of the things in my book is like that I keep reminding you, this is my journey. You know, and you don't have to do it like this, but be open to looking at other suggestions or looking to open your mind for other things. And I think, Teresa, you're a perfect example of that. <clears throat> well, I'm definitely open. To <laughs> I'm definitely keeping my mind open to where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, well, you've done huge transitions in that area already. Yes. That is very, very inspiring to people. Uh, Maybe not always so much for our family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think that you are a great example and, once again, inspiration for other people to open their blinders and see what else there is. And I think that you have manifest and still manifesting and creating um, even a bigger view of who you are in this lifetime. It's, it's admirable. And I only know a little portion of it. Thanks, Kia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a never-ending journey. Uh, or you should say it's still a journey that I'm on. But I feel excited about the journey and exploring the options and so i feel fine with some uncertainty in my life but also knowing that there's always like there's always like new possibilities to keep my mind open to um so it's it's interesting and it's interesting to me because it does relate a little bit back to this like me trusting in my own intuition or my ability to kind of communicate with spirit and and I want to just ask this question because it's something I don't know if it's like a superficial kind of curiosity but you wrote in the book about your experience with astral travel and that like when I hear that I just think whoa like I could never do that and I don't even understand it in a sense and and I would be afraid to do it and but there's a real like kind of curiosity that's been coming up for me about those types of things about really communicating in another realm I just call it that maybe that's not the right language Um, but do you feel okay sharing a little bit about your experiences in that and like you know what it what it is and how it was helpful to you or or not yeah so you know what's so funny about writing this book 
and and then you bringing this up and us getting the proof is that the chapters came out really fast about what I wanted to write and we changed very little of that mm -hmm. but what poured into that some of it was surprising and you know you tell me about that and I I forgot that I even wrote about that <laughs> you know and, and as I read the book it's like oh my goodness I forgot we wrote about that or I would tell Ben what about this he goes you wrote about that already um that was when I was um, with my husband and Selma, who is in the heavens now. Um, just our meeting was totally spirit guided. And I was in hotel management for 22 years. And I uh, finished work one day. It was New Year's Eve. And um, um, my friend and I were going to go away to a retreat center. So I said, do you want to go? I called. They had room. I said, do you, uh, Harbin Hot Springs. Many of you might know Harbin Hot Springs in California. Anyway, um, I said, do you want to go to Harbin? They have a room left. And, you know, I'm a hotel person. You think I would have saved, tell them, save that room for 15 minutes. I'll call you right back. And she says, yeah, I want to go. I called back like 15 minutes. It was gone. And... So then we decided we would just go out to dinner. But then her cat died that night. And so I was like, okay, I get off work. I'm gonna stop and get chicken uh, at the store. And I got this message, no, go to Hillsburg. Like, okay, okay, I won't go buy the chicken there. And then I go into this place that they also have broiled chicken. And I went and turned in and all the lights went out. And I go, okay, great, forget it. And um, I went to the video store and that's how I met my husband. And um, had I not listened to that, um, we wouldn't have met. So and that's like a whole incredible journey also. And so he used to um, do astral traveling a lot because he was Mexican Indian and Mexican and Indian. And so most of his family was in Mexico. So for him, he would ask, he would travel all the time to be with his family, then he would come back. And I go, I wanna do that, you know, because he would do it at night. He would just lay down like, okay. And then um, the book by Richard Bachman, Richard Bach, which is one of his books. And I got went and had a book signing from him, and I read his book. And he and his wife used to astral travel together. So when Anselm and I were married, I just, oh, I want to do that too. He goes, oh, it's so easy. And so I would, like, try to do it, you know, and try to go in the sky. And it just wouldn't work. So one night, he goes, I'm, I'm going out. He grabbed my hand. And we just soared in the air, and you could just see um, outer space and all the stars and everything. And we just went astrally there. Were you so awake? Yeah, go ahead. Were you awake in this experience, or are you like in a trance state? What is that? So, um, well, when he grabbed my hand, I was awake, and. <clears throat> So am I awake in it? I don't even know. I'm maybe 
I never really described. It could be a trance, but I, I vis, visually, visually could see it. I could feel myself going up, just being in the galaxies. I mean, like it was like so wild. And after that, I could do it pretty much on demand, you know. And we had an incredible uh, spiritual journey together, even though it wasn't long. He wasn't long for this earth. And um, but we were in the in a past life. We were um, uh, in the concentration camps together. And, and this is before I knew about Akashic Records. And what came was East. And a lot of this is his what he saw and what I saw and what we gathered together. That I was killed. He saw me being raped and killed. And uh, and he was younger than me in this lifetime. He was 15 years younger. And he had been searching for me for a long time. And so when he reincarnated, reincarnated, he kept looking for me. And that's how we connected, you know. And um, we still have communication, not as much as before. But every time I says that, he comes to me and he says, I'm right here. You just got to talk to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was a huge leap in my spiritual growth. Doing the astral traveling. Yeah. Well, us meeting together. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was already in a good space. And like I said, I was in hotel management and uh, I was like really in tune and just listening to spirit you know i mean it was a great journey and um sometimes there's a lot of other things that are bogged down in life now uh i have to like okay come back we're, we're in that space listen really deeply and and follow the rainbow road <laughs> um, i almost had the um, yellow brick road <laughs> <laughs> So, not to get stuck on this subject, but there's just a few more things that I'm curious about with respect to the astral travel. Okay. Do you still, will you still do it? Well, I I feel now that I don't have to go out that far, that uh, that kind of um, connection is much closer than me having to go so far out to reach it. Now I can just go inside and make that connection and um, and listen from this inner space. But I think that for me, I needed to do that astral travel out to see um, the unlimitedness of everything. Because mm -hmm. in this body, sometimes, uh, even as open we are, we still have that feeling of limitation. And um, there's another piece in the book when I work with someone called Miss Miss Zebra, and we did a lot of global uh, traveling together. Uh, like seeing what's like going on in the world we could see you know chaos and political stuff um, 
and sort of get the gist of what was going on so that we had better insight. But I didn't really have to like shoot out of my body to go way out in the galaxies to feel that. It's really a much closer uh, route to go. <laughs> I, something that just came up for me was maybe my curiosity comes from because I'm like is is it my ego that's curious about this astral travel because it seems like a mystical power of some sort even though it's not like you're doing any like you're not you know you're not manipulating things you're just sort of having a different experience of consciousness in a sense um but I don't know if you remember during the because you you've done so many trainings but during our akashic record training at some point you you were like saying okay everyone needs to just get grounded we need to ground and somebody in the room was like be like teresa like because i sort of represent this like really earth bound grounded person and so maybe that is why i have a curious nature about this astral travel because it seems so far from my natural instinct or like my just my natural proclivity to be like earthbound and so do you think it's like do you think a curiosity about astral travel is an important thing for someone to explore or if it just doesn't come naturally or or you're not kind of called to it that that maybe that's just not in your path do you have any thoughts about that well you know there's so many things out there that one can do and and it's impossible to do it all in one lifetime Mm. and so if there's a curiosity about it you can always check inside whether it's ego or whatever it is you know ego does spark some curiosity so check in like like why am i so curious uh about this astral travel like curiosity is great curiosity opens doors so don't downplay your curiosity because curiosity is creativity imagination that opens your doors wider but like i said we can't do everything in this lifetime so like okay what is it just ask like inside like why am i so curious about this astro travel you know it could be uh, an aspect of yourself um that doesn't feel comfortable with the thought of going out of your body you know and for me, one of the things I've had to work on is to be grounded. Because early on, it's like having that early trauma. I don't even want to be in my body. I want to be up and out. So one of my challenges has been in this world is to uh, be grounded and still have that experience. And that's why I wear, wear red toenail polish, because red is grounding. And even though it might not match my nails, I still have to have red because that symbolizes groundedness for me. Because a huge majority of my life, I I spent out of my body. And also, um, that also hasn't been so good uh, for my body because I wasn't always there to hear all the messages. So I say if people are grounded, 
more power to them. (laughs) (laughs) And um, thank goodness I have a tour. My my rising sign, my my moon, my sun sign is Taurus. So thank goodness I have that, you know, too, to keep me grounded. But I've had to work on being grounded. Yeah. You know, I wore hematite anklets and anything that could like remind me of my feet so that I could also, you know, see the other side, if, however you call it, and still stay grounded because I chose to be here. And even in the womb, I didn't want to be here. I, I'd done work with listening to my womb early on. And um, it's like, I don't want to be here. You know, I kept saying, I don't want to be here. And so I would ask my mother some things I couldn't share with her, but I did ask her, I said, what was uh, your pregnancy like with me? She says, I don't know how many times you, I almost lost you. But that was my soul saying, I don't want to come back. I don't want to be there. You know, so a good portion of my life, I, I wasn't grounded. There's a quote uh, in the book. I won't say what page it's on because it could change by the time it's published. But I wanted to share it now. Um, you say, it's in, in this book you have the rainbow heart tips. You know, like after each chapter, more or less. And there are little tips that you give for, uh, at least I'm assuming these are all tips to help folks to be able to listen better to the their inner knowing. And in this on this page, you say, and if we cannot hear what's spoken within ourselves, how can we expect to hear what is beyond us? Which I thought was a really beautiful phrase, but I wonder what it means for you specifically. Yeah, like I say, once again, I don't even remember writing that. You know, know, some of the things just, most of these rainbow heart tips are some of the things that I do, and a lot of people probably do a lot of them too. Um, isn't that amazing? That's pretty, actually, it's a pretty interesting quote. Um, <laughs> do you, when, when, when did you become aware of the importance of listening to within yourself? Well, you know, like I said, I think that um, without knowing from very young, I did that. And as, you know, life goes on and temples as a teenager comes up or uh, all these other things or alcoholic families take us out of our body so much. Um I think I have had to keep returning to it. And now that I'm more conscious, that's what it is. I just have to keep returning to that inner place of listening. 
Um, because I know, like, someday if if I get quote too busy or too many things early in the morning and I don't do my morning reading or meditate a little bit, it throws my day off, mm-hmm. and it makes me. Um, um, lose sight of that inner peace or that inner anchor that uh, keeps me present. Um, I barely even know what the question you asked <laughs> from that quote. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I find like so enjoyable of in this book is hearing all the stories you tell stories of sessions that you've had with folks i'm the type of person who really i don't know i it's a very profound learning experience when i can see by example and so to me i've just been captivated by all the different stories uh, that you share about people's experiences and the readings that you've done and, you know, the information that comes through. I have to say the one that kind of made me chuckle was the RuPaul story. Do you, you want to maybe share that one? (laughs) I know I can't make this stuff up. (laughs) I mean, when I, um, you know, over the years I have done, uh, so I hear, and then I, before I used to handwrite everything, but then messages would come in too fast that I couldn't uh, keep up writing. So then it was a hard transition to go from writing to actually doing on the computer, and my typing's not the best. So I've done sessions where my hands are off the keys and don't even know it because I'm just typing and this information is coming through. And yeah, RuPaul, I mean like, that's, that, I can't make these things up. <laughs> and I have a great imagination, but I would have never thought about RuPaul showing up. And this person, uh, I, you know, read through what I wrote just to sort of like get her approval and, she wrote me the other day that um, that she had done after that RuPaul, she started watching RuPaul on TV and there was much insight from his shows, which I didn't know, that has helped her. And the other day she was dealing with some anger. That's one of the uh, situations in there. And so many of us don't know how to deal anger that we stuff anger in. And so RuPaul helped bring that anger out so that it came out of her body. And he's, he's actually been an inspiration for her. <laughs> now, would I have ever in my... Uh, well, and can you give... A normal mind... I would have never come up with that. I couldn't have made that up. Can you give the brief synopsis of how RuPaul came up in the reading? So, um, so that was, that was, I think, late last year. 
and she was going through some trials with a breakup in her and also because there was a child involved and she was very close to this man's child and so uh, we would call for session she would tell me some of the things that are going on and I would just listen to spirit like she would ask a question and it's almost like there's someone whispering in my ear uh, so sort of like I'm this conduit to express to her uh, what spirit is trying to tell me uh, to guide her so everything was like so serious now uh, spirit talk you know spirits have the greatest sense of humor I mean like sometimes I, I'm, I'm okay with it now but early on if they would tell me some joke to tell somebody and we're dealing with some death or something it's like I would argue like how can I tell that to that person and but I've learned now to just allow that information to come through so RuPaul came to like uh, soften the seriousness of it and give the message in a way that's a little more playful so that people can hear it and not be so, you know, hard on themselves. And then it comes up, and then she had this anger thing the other day, and um, she was called to turn on the TV, and someone who had been on RuPaul's show, this had just happened this past week, that was on RuPaul's show was a guest on this uh, show on TV. And he also had some insights that helped her accept her anger and to move it out of her body. Wow. Yeah. Well, and if I remember correctly, and I admittedly, I lost the page in the book where you talk about this reading, but there was something, it's like oftentimes, right, you'll do readings what I'm what I'm hearing a couple times is that you'll do a reading and you're you're not sure exactly why something is coming through, but you'll you'll say it. And sometimes it's that thing that seems unusual that becomes the validating piece for somebody, the person that you're doing the reading for, right? Like somehow it relates to them, even though you would have no idea why or how. And if I remember correctly, this woman who you were doing the reading for, you'd said something about RuPaul and she had described how then how basically she was having a rough day or something and her coworker said, just go and watch RuPaul. So because you brought that up, it was like, oh, like the dots connected, right? The the line connected the dots in that moment for her where she knew it was like, okay, there's some information here. And I guess like that's the thing about this type of work is it's not like you're getting a typed letter of the details. Like the information is coming through in images or sounds or whatever and it's not a perfect science. And so it is kind of a collaboration with the person that you're working with to to allow them to interpret things in the way that they're supposed to, however it's meaningful in their life. It's kind of like when you talk about pulling cards in here, it really kind of helps solidify why that is such a beautiful practice because it it directly represents what you're talking about, that we have the information within ourselves, but 
we often aren't giving ourselves permission to listen and to believe it or trust it. And when you pull a tarot card or some kind of, you know, card and you just let yourself decide what it means for you in a way, you're giving yourself the answer to what's inside of you that that your conscious mind isn't just isn't willing to give to take the time to figure out or to trust in. And and I feel like that's the beauty of this. Like, you know, I know there's folks who, you know, may not believe it's possible or think people are, you know, making stuff up. And it's like, because it's not a perfect science, but but what the point of your book is to trust that inner knowing and all of these kinds of, you know, things that you talk about in the book are just ways of tapping into that inner knowing. And when that kind of light goes off or, you know, like you'll get an indicator somehow and you're like, oh, I've hit on something. This, this, I either this is the direction I go or this is something I need to spend more time thinking about or whatever it is. That's how I see your work and really everything that you're illuminating in this book. Does that, does that resonate? Am I getting it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And you know, there are people that are skeptics who test, they want to test you. Right. Right. You know, like, Oh, like what color shoes am I wearing? Or, or something, and a lot of times there they'll not a lot of times, but there have been times when people go, "Oh, that's not you know that's not true. You are so off." And you know sometimes I might be, and um, and but they'll come back maybe months or a year later, like saying, oh, "What you said that really was true, but I didn't believe you," or like sometimes like. I'll be in someone's energy field and I go, you know, what's wrong with your right foot, your toe? Oh, no, no, nothing's wrong with my toe. And I go, okay. I just felt like your toe was uh, aching. And then they would write me a few days and say, oh, my God, my my toe and my foot is so sore. And so um, and I asked spirit for guidance, like, okay, you know, please tell me like what happened or was I off or, and sometimes they'll say those people needed to hear that. And so the person would come back and say, Oh my, I do have something with my toe. So that means that I was reading something in their energy field that had not reached their body. So, um, so that's, yeah, I'm laughing to myself because I don't know what I was talking about. There was some Netflix show on and I was, I was talking to my dad about it and he was like, you know, he's like, I don't believe he's like, I'll pay any amount of money. If you can put me in touch with somebody who can actually do this stuff. And I don't really, I mean, like I'm not playing that game, you know, necessarily. Um, But it's like, I know he wants to believe you know, but he's got to like see it to believe it, which is fine. Um, so today's a full moon and your publication date, your publishing date is on the full moon in October. And I wonder what the full moon represents for you do you have any particular feelings or is there a reason why you chose the full moon 
Well, actually, I picked the date before I knew it was full moon. Mm. And so um, then afterwards, I found it was full moon. And then when I said I was doing the show today, um, then my other friend, the same one with RuPaul, said, oh, it's full moon. I go, I didn't know that. So I was born on a full moon. So that's what it is. It's yeah, a- so that so like once I uh, I looked at um, auspicious days in October, and um, then it says October twentieth was a fun auspicious day. The fun and auspicious resonates for me. And then my friend in California who is uh, into astrology and numbers and everything that the date of October 20, 2021, I like the the numbers also, 10, 20, 20, 21. I like the numbers. And she said that a number eight is a good day to launch a new business. <laughs> and it, it was like a, a very powerful day. So like, then that like, so all these little connections happen once I decided the date. And um, so I'm a full moon baby. Yeah. <laughs> Are there things about the process of writing this book that that helped you? Um, that that uh, that I guess that were opportunities for you to grow. That you've learned things as you've written this book. I mean, this was a new kind of project for you. Yeah. So. Um, I accidentally turned on this vibrating machine for the limps underneath my desk and I can't get, oh, there I can get it off. Um, You know, I guess it's uh, one thing that it continually helped ground me and Ben was really good about that. And um, so in this book, I really had to follow spirit a lot because it's really actually quite vulnerable now that it's time to put out. There's a lot of vulnerable experiences that I'm writing in there about my own personal journey, which that was not my intention when I wrote it. Um, It was, like I said, the chapters came out right away and we just tweaked a few. Um, But I, I believe, well, not I believe, I know that writing this book has helped bring uh, emotions and trauma uh, that's been in my body or actual um, energy and emotions that never had a time to express. Uh, This book has given me this avenue to bring that out because things were in my body uh, that needed to be expressed so healing could happen and is still happening in my life. Um, so that's a huge part. Um, There's a quote I actually wrote down about tears. In your book, you write, tears are emotions that need releasing. And tears are a funny thing for me because I cry so easily. <laughs> like, 
just it's I don't know and I and I've thought like what does that mean about me am I holding all of this stuff inside or or through the act of crying in the moment and being okay with it most of the time is it just you know it's they're just coming out and that's good and I don't have to worry about it but I I've wondered am I holding something within and that's why tears are so easily on the surface um but that's certainly deeper exploration that I just need to do on my own but I I think that's a beautiful phrase that you put in the book well two things that immediately come up for you can I share that sure okay so I think that um that your tears are cleansing. And um, I, of course, we all have stuff that hasn't been expressed in tears. So that that's aspect for you. But I also believe that your heart is so connected with Mother Earth that some of those tears are being shed from Mother Earth and from other... Um, pain and trauma that's in the world. So I think that sometimes you can ask what these tears are for, or other times just allow those tears to come up and cleanse, because I don't think it's all your tears. That's good information. <laughs> yeah, so I say don't judge them, let them flow. You know, And, and it is something you're stuck on. I think spirit's gonna say, hey girl, You've already expressed those tears. You need to let it go. So I think it's a combination for tears. So how that also came up when I was working with this young man who has um, um, some brain problems. And when I worked on him, what I saw in his brain was that uh, there was dried up tears that hadn't been expressed in his brain. And so that was clogging his brain. You know. Yeah. And um, so if you, if you, if people are, uh, this is just coming through. Sometimes people cry uh as a way of hiding too. I don't necessarily think that's the situation with you, but this is just coming through right now that sometimes tears uh, is also a way to hide for the emotions to come up. And so if you feel that that's the case with you, I would say for journal, journaling has been so healing for me too over the years, is just write like, hey, now, why do I keep crying like this? Am I hiding something? And let's let your inner peace tell you what's going on. Like saying, girl, you just need to let that go. You know, uh, that's a rerun and you've already seen it 20 times. Let it go. So each situation is a little bit different with tears. And like I said, I don't feel that that's your case. No, but it is, it's good to, as we talked about earlier, kind of considering all the possibilities, right? Just checking in on if it feels like something further to kind of meander into. Yeah. And I say, 
Okay, it's okay if they say something about you again? Yes. Okay. You're too hard on yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh, my mom is loving you right now, Kia. She <laughs> called me the other week just to tell me that. So, yeah. <laughs> my, my mom thanks you. <laughs> yes, I, I love your mom. Yes, she's great. <laughs> Sometimes it's here easier to hear it from somebody else than our mothers. <laughs> oh, that's so guilty, funny. guilty, guilty. <laughs> well, I know that you have other things that you have to do in your day and so I, I wanna respect your time, but I wanna just point out to folks who are listening that uh, Kia's book will be published October 20th. There will be an ebook and eventually an audiobook. And what I would suggest doing is to either and or do all of the above, which is to go to her website, rainbowheart.net, and you could subscribe to her mailing list, which I will obviously include in the show notes so that you can easily click to her website. So it's rainbowheart.net or you can follow her on Instagram too, um, which I'm assuming that there'll be posts there once the book gets done and links to, to purchase it. And I just really, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really have any expectations with the book. You know, I love you and I love Ben and I was like, oh, okay, I'll read it. And I really like found myself being pulled in the stories that you share about all of the work and the, you know, the, the different readings that you've done were really, really pulling me in and very profound. So I'm, I'm glad that it's happening. Yes. Thank you. And um, yeah, I was happy when Ben said the other day that you were going to read through the book before our interview today. Yeah. um, I'm excited for it to, to be real and out there for everyone. It's something to be proud of. It's something I aspire to do at some point is write a book. So bravo to you, Kia, for making it happen. Your book is already inside of you. It's just about letting it out. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank it's you. It's bubbling up. It's bubbling up more than you know, I, Teresa. I know this. I know this. It's like... <laughs> driving me crazy actually um well thank you kia for giving me so thank much you. of your time today i'll see you i'll wave to you on north front street up in your uh little tower up there and um and i'll see you on the zoom with ben one of these days soon yes okay love you okay love Aloha. you Aloha. <laughs> all right full moon is arriving this evening and I thought that I would just share a little bit of my uh, research online I mean anyone can find this information on the internet but allow me to present it to you on behalf of the folks reading about the full moon it's interesting I was talking about the full moon with a friend yesterday and we were Kind of talking about what what a full moon means to a, a you know from an energetic perspective and the way that I see it the way that I feel it and that's just what I can go off of right is that you know the energy is kind of expanded during a full moon uh, you know I I certainly know and 
I, I can't say, I mean, it's a guarantee, but usually when there's a full moon and it does feel like like it lights up the sky, you know, I don't know if it makes a difference if there's cloud cover or not. I actually haven't gotten that granular in it, but it does feel as though it's harder for me to fall asleep at night. My brain is just kind of a little bit more active. Maybe there's more light coming into the house. Sometimes that happens um, in my house in particular. And so there's just sort of this like awareness like, oh, you know, we I don't have to be asleep right now. Um, and, and maybe that's all that it is, uh, you know, that is to how it affects me. But if I think more deeply about what it might mean from the activities in my life, I generally tend to think of a full moon as being that time where I am active, right? A new moon, I tend to be more introverted, maybe a little bit more still, whereas a full moon does feel more action-oriented. And oftentimes people who write about full moons will say it's a good time to release. Uh, And I've never thought of it that way, other than the fact that full moons I, to me are, are times of like activity and and in order to really have balance with with more activity there is a releasing that has to happen and so that's kind of how I've rationalized that to myself but as with every time I talk about the full moon or the the moon I'll just say that it is truly as Kia and I just talked about it is going within and just tuning into it and And as I mentioned, when it comes to like pulling cards, you know, that's not to say that you're turning yourself or, or that, or your decisions over to anyone else. It really is. If I read something about the moon online, I know immediately it's either relevant or not. And even if it's not like celebratory response to it, like, Ooh, an excited response, but it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way it still might be something I'm supposed to look at but if it really just isn't resonating with me in any way I know like that's not the message for me that I'm that that is sort of buried in my subconscious that wants to be activated and so what I'm going to read comes from the forever conscious website intuitive astrology for the Pisces full moon that in the East Coast is is uh, full at 7.54 p.m. tonight, if I've got my calendar correct. And so this uh, Tanaz, I may not be pronouncing her name correctly. I'll link to this in the show notes so that you can return to it if there's anything that feels um, resonant to you. But she writes... The Pisces full moon on September 20 or 21, depending upon what time zone you're in, is the dreamiest of the year. As it casts its spell, we may feel extra sensitive, extra creative, and even extra intuitive. Pisces is ruled by the element of water, and the moon loves to be in water signs. It is under the ebb and flow of the waves that allows the moon to express its full energetic potential. In astrology, the moon represents our emotions. That This is me interjecting. That might be why we feel a little bit more intensely during a full moon. It governs our emotional body and is strongly linked 
to how we are feeling. The moon is also connected to our feelings of safety and security. How emotionally safe and secure do we feel as we move through the world? The moon is also linked to feminine energy. This energy is present in all living things. And on a potent full moon, we may find issues arising when it comes to our relationship with the feminine. Sometimes we can see this playing out in significant female relationships in our lives too. Each full moon will affect us differently depending on our own individual cosmic energies and what the moon is destined to stir in our own lives. Full moons, however, are ultimately a time of illumination and culmination. They represent the peak of the lunar cycle and like in all good storylines, when we reach the peak, that is usually when the climax of the chapter we are walking happens. This Pisces full moon is linked to events that were unfolding back in early September on the Virgo new moon, but they are also linked to the events that were stirring back in mid-March under the Pisces new moon. You could say that the Pisces new moon back in March was the beginning of the story that has now reached its peak. Are you able to create any links between what was unfolding in your life during March and now? Whatever manifests, it is likely that you are at the tail end of it now and are perhaps able to really feel and connect to that culmination moment that is on offer. Full moons are also a time of energetic release. So if there is something you wish to release from your life, this is the perfect point in the month to set some intentions. Think about what you no longer wish to hold on to. Send it love and gratitude. And then under the bright light of the full moon, breathe it all away. Neptune, the planet of illusions, dreams, and intuition, is very active under this full moon. This is due to the fact that it falls only seven degrees away from the full moon. Whenever Neptune is active, it can create some foggy energy. We may feel like we are wading through a thick forest, unable to see what is ahead. It may be harder to make decisions or to think with a clear mind. Neptune can also evoke our emotions, allowing us to see what is bubbling beneath the surface. Under its presence, we may not be able to analyze what we feel. Instead, we may just find ourselves ebbing and flowing between one feeling space and the next. Under a watery full moon like this one, it is best if we navigate it with our heart on our sleeve. Trying to understand things with our rational mind may just add to the confusion. But if we let our thought processes go for a moment and instead slip into a place of feeling, we may just be able to intuit the answers we are seeking. Intuition is often described as a feeling of knowing. Often, you don't have any concrete proof or reason for feeling the way you do. 
It is just a strong sense of knowing. In many ways, this place is where the September full moon is calling us to go. It's calling us to step out of our rational mind and into our feeling space. It is calling for us to disconnect from seeking evidence and instead allow ourselves to connect with our feelings. In fact, as you are reading this, let's try a quick exercise to help you embody this space. I just did the thing that audiobook narrators are never supposed to do, <laughs> having done that myself. When when you're reading printed words, you're supposed to change reading to listening. So I'll say that again. In fact, as you are listening to this, let's try a quick exercise to help you embody this space. Place your hand over your heart and close your eyes. In this moment, ask yourself, what are three words to describe how I am feeling right now? Ask yourself, what are three words to describe how I am feeling right now? After you ask yourself this question, just pause. Don't try to answer using your mind. Instead, drop into your heart and answer from a place of pure feeling. So I'll say that again. If you went up into your mind, just kind of take a nice deep inhale. Exhale through the mouth. And think about dropping into that feeling space. What are three words to describe how I am feeling right now? Dropping into your heart and answering from a place of pure feeling. You may just be surprised what answers float up into your consciousness. Sometimes when we do this exercise, we are able to shift out of judgment and into a deeper and more connected space. Sometimes we are not even aware of how we are really feeling until we allow this sort of awareness. This small practice can instantly connect you with your emotional body, and it can even help you to understand yourself on a deeper level. Our emotions are not always our truth, but they are always valid, and they can be guides as to what we may need to explore, look at, or dive deeper into. Emotions can be deceiving, so it is best not to label or judge them. Instead, allow them. Imagine them as visitors coming and going, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes our emotions just want to be heard and seen. Sometimes, when we allow them to rise, they can then so gracefully fall away. Neptune is also strongly connected with water and the oceans. Spending time near the sea may be highly therapeutic at this time, as can running a warm bath or even staying extra hydrated. 
Programming your drinking water with crystals, intentions, and prayer is also a great way to utilize this energy, as is spending time on creative projects. This Pisces full moon, along with the energies of Neptune, makes a fantastic combination for all artistic endeavors. If you work in a creative field or have a creative project you wish to get off the ground, this full moon energy is just divine and laden with support. While all this watery energy is good for connecting with your intuition and supporting creative dreams, there is a chance it can also feel overwhelming and push us into a place of emotional instability. This can also manifest as a feeling of needing to escape from reality or escape from the pressures of our life. While some forms of escapism can be healthy, there are other forms that can do us harm. This is just something to be aware of under the energy of this Pisces full moon. If you feel the need to escape, try to give yourself healthy outlets such as meditation, journaling, curling up with a good book, or even getting immersed in a movie. Unfortunately, in this life, we can only escape for so long before reality comes knocking at our door once again. Know you have the strength to deal with whatever is knocking at your door. Know that if you seek, you shall find the support you need to navigate through whatever is weighing heavy on your heart. Full moons are always a good time to put an end to unhealthy habits or lifestyle choices. So use this energy to your advantage. Trust your intuition and use your sixth sense to navigate through any challenging obstacles that present themselves. Overall, the Pisces full moon of September is a dreamy, creative, and intuitive time. While we may feel extra sensitive, there is a beauty in connecting with the subtler frequencies of the world around us. There is also a beauty in connecting with the ebbs and flows of our emotional body. While every emotion we feel may not be our highest truth, Part of our human experience is to allow ourselves to feel, to allow ourselves to experience the emotional rainbow. It is through this rainbow that we become more compassionate, more open, more aware, and more kind. It is through our emotions that we can begin to understand on a deeper level what is driving us and where our intentions may be coming from. Allow yourself to explore your emotional rhythms under this full moon. Embrace what flows without judgment. Let it move through you like a wave. And trust the intuitive instincts and whispers that are left behind as you do. Again, that was from foreverconscious.com the intuitive astrology for Pisces full moon in September of this year, 2021.
love how the astrology report from Forever Conscious just so perfectly aligned with what Kia was talking about today and so much of what her book goes into about intuition and emotions. <clears throat> One thing I thought I would just put out there as I have done some of my own work and, and just in my studies when it comes to coaching and whatnot, is using the emotion as kind of like the indicator that it's time to just pay attention. And oftentimes for myself, like I know that there have been moments where I kind of push through, I brush through it. If it's you know, feeling agitated about something, if it's um, feeling a sadness. And and sometimes, it, you know, it's not, you don't have to pause at, at, at every moment. Um, but there there can be times where it feels particularly important to just notice that. And, and I think it's actually important to at least pause and acknowledge the emotion, even if it doesn't mean you sit down and journal about it feel like it's a it's an important aspect of creating a dialogue between sort of like your thinking mind and your feeling body um we talked a little bit about that i guess when we read caliban and the witch and this idea of sort of the brain over the putting willpower over the body and when i while i think that maybe that's important in certain situations if we are overly dominating in that way like our brain is always overriding the emotions which arguably you could say that's sort of what the patriarchy has taught right it's don't get emotional be strong buck up uh push through if we are only operating in that way then we are cutting off a major part of our existence as a human of our being and there's wisdom and potentially very important information residing within those emotions and so sometimes what i do is i actually pause and try to understand the thoughts that i'm having as i'm in that emotion because sometimes it is just this thought that is actually kind of operating within our brain unconsciously that that maybe isn't even true, but we've allowed ourselves to believe that story for some reason. And so sometimes it's helpful to just pause in the moment to to just be clear about what is the thought that is that is going on that's making me have this emotion but i'd be curious to hear what practices other folks do out there so as always feel free to send me a note and let me know your feelings about emotions i thought i would just share a little bit from kia's book she actually referenced this part of the book uh, earlier when I had asked her a question, it kind of just came up organically, but I had, I had, uh, I had highlighted it as something that I wanted to share. I thought it was a beautiful part of the book and something that resonated with me and, and perhaps it'll resonate with others. And so it is, as I had mentioned, kind of, well, you know, she has her rainbow heart tips throughout the book. But then she has each chapter is kind of broken up by theme 
Um, you know, she has a chapter on people passing. She has a chapter on um, Akashic Records. She has a chapter on uh, energy and listening to the body. Uh, what's there's another one? Oh, smells. Uh, what before people pass you know there's all these kind of scenarios that have kind of come up for her in her readings that that are thematic and she's grouped each chapter in that theme this one is from uh messages that are up for grabs she says, everyone says to me, well, how did you get this gift to be able to hear this? I always say to people that everybody has the gift. Everybody gets the gift. When I talk about it now, I see it like all these gifts floating around the universe. And it depends when we pick it up and open it. We can also think of all these gifts from spirit as being much like gifts that you get for your birthday, for example. It might be a toy or a game, and sometimes it's something that you really use, and other times there are gifts that we open up, have a glimpse at, and toss it in a corner or gift it away. Gifts of listening are just like that. Not every gift from the universe is solid gold. But they are all gifts of opportunity. The opportunity is to expand on the gift. One of my clients said, you're going to realize when you write this book that not everybody gets the gift. In this moment, I do, don't believe that's true. I think that the gift comes and what you do, do with it, the gift. You nurture it or do you, excuse me, <laughs> do you nurture it? Is the gift just a seed? And from that seed of thought, what do you do with that? Do you talk to your friends about it? Do you look it up on the internet? Do you check out some classes? What I also find, similar to the Barbara Mandel story, she tells that earlier in the book, about and the dress story, is that we get the seed of thought and the universe comes and gives us little clues. But we don't always follow them. Also, in the bigger spectrum of things. There are so many gifts of seeds in this lifetime that really are also about discernment of which seeds give you passion. What seed do you feel like is a connection to your purpose? What seed connects with your heart? What seed is a seed that maybe gives you fulfillment or purpose? Or maybe some seeds are meant to be passed to friends. What seed is a seed that maybe gives you fulfillment or purpose and joy? One of my favorite words, joy. My mother always told me whenever I would take a class, well, how much more money are you going to make when you do this class? She came from the 50s when making money was the only thing on people's mind. It's still on my mind because I am my mother's daughter, but learning is a passion of mine too. I would tell my mother, not all my classes are about making money. I also feel like once we check out that seed, teachers show up that you've never heard of. Books almost literally fall off shelves. I've gone to the bookstore and I've seen books, literally. It feels like they fall off the shelf for me to read. Have you had that experience? And it's about watching those signs and having fun with it. It's supposed to be fun and magical. That was a reading from Kia Abelay's book, The Gift of Listening, which will be out October 
20th, full moon day. You can find all out all about her and sign up to get information at rainbowheart.net. I'll link to that. That is our show today. And big thanks to Kia for coming on the show. Thanks, of course, to Shana Falana for our show music. Thanks to Ian, who is running the dials in the engineering booth. And Ida Hakla will be coming up next with the Heavy Light Show. And what's on the calendar for next week? Ooh, yes, I am going to be playing an interview with a filmmaker. The Woodstock Film Festival is coming up in the Hudson Valley here, which those of you who are listening from out of the area, you can actually uh, stream many of the films online. And so that's a cool option that they make available Um but I am going to be having on filmmaker, oops, Therese Schechter, who wrote, uh, she directed a film, um, My So-Called Selfish Life. I'm going off memory, so I hope the title is correct, about women who choose not to have children. And so that will be next week's show. And until then, happy full moon, love yourself, and uplift one another.